You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. I'm sharing with you very practically in my own life that this has gotten me out of much discouragement and much in the way of depression and even despair when I have applied this very practically to my life. How do you worry about nothing? By praying about everything and thanking God for anything and thinking on anything that is of a good report, praiseworthy, of virtue, thinking of good things. Today, Pastor J.D. will teach key practices that will help you when you are depressed or discouraged. The Bible highlights the importance of watching your thoughts. Don't give room to the thoughts the enemy wants to plant in your mind. He'll also try to isolate you. We are weaker alone, but together we are encouraged and love is stirred up. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 42 as he continues his message, What to Do When You're Discouraged. I also have those times where I just really spend time in the Word. And it's not just sermon preparation. Where I'm in the Word and the Word is in me and almost without exception, those times where I become discouraged, there's been a certain amount of time that has gone by that I've not been in the Word of God, drinking deeply from the well of God's Word. This second one I want to spend a little bit more time on. It's in verses 3 and 4, and it's assembling with God's people. This is one of the things that we're really prone to do when we're struggling, when we're in a trial, when we become discouraged. It's the one thing that the enemy tries to get us to do, and that's to get us away from God's people. I find it interesting that David is remembering and referring to the time when he was with the people of God in the house of God. He's reminiscing, it seems, about his fond memories of when he was in Jerusalem and in fellowship with God's people, assembling together with God's people. And I have to say that This is one of the most important things to do when you're discouraged and depressed. When we get into the armor in Ephesians 6, which we're not going to quite, at least as of today, get to the specific parts of the armor this Sunday, Lord willing, next Sunday. But I want to talk about standing and not falling this week, Lord willing. But when we get to... The shield of faith, that's a very interesting part of the armor because Paul says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. Now there's a reason for that. He's not saying that we're, that the shield of faith is above all the other parts of the armor. No. What he's saying is, take that shield of faith above all of you in the camp, And lock it tongue and groove with the one that is next to you so as to create this impenetrable fortress 
so that when the enemy shoots those flaming arrows, it will hit that shield and not be able to penetrate. But here's the problem. The enemy likes to get us off by ourselves. So that when we take that shield and we put it above us to extinguish the arrows from the evil one, we've got no protection around us because we're all by ourselves. A sitting duck, if you will. A dead duck, (laughs) if you prefer. Because he knows that if he can get a Christian isolated, he's got him. He's got him. And so he'll try to get that Christian to not get together with God's people. I want to talk about that more in a moment. But it seems like that David is with great fondness remembering what it was like when he was in Jerusalem before all of this happened. And he's in fellowship with and assembling together with God's people. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 writes something very telling, I guess for lack of a better word. In verse 24 he says this, And let us consider one another in order to, listen, stir up love and good works. I ask you, is that not what happens when we come together and fellowship together with God's people? Wouldn't it stand to reason that the enemy would want to rob us of this? Yes. Which is why he tries to keep us from assembling ourselves together. Which is what the writer of Hebrews says. Not forsaking the assembling, and I want to come back to that word in a moment, assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But... Instead, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There is a dynamic that happens, isn't there? When you come together with God's people. Let's talk about on a night like tonight. Here it is on a Thursday night. If you had a week that looked anything like mine, first of all, I'm so sorry, (laughs) because it was one of those weeks. You come sliding into a, a Thursday, and I mean... You're just, man, you know, you're, you're exhausted, you're weary, a good weary, you're tired, a good tired, but it's still, you're still tired, right? And, and what's the thought that comes to mind? I mean, let's be honest, okay? Man, maybe I'll just watch it online. And here's the enemy right there going, yeah, man, you've had, you've had a really long day. Yeah, I really have. It's been a rough week. Yeah, it's been a really rough week. You don't really feel like going. No, I don't really feel like going. And then you say, no, I'm going to go. And here's what happened. You get here and all of a sudden you're like, and, and David gets up here and leads us in worship. And you're like, oh my goodness. No longer are you tired and exhausted? And you're so glad you came, right? <laughs> I'm looking at you going, yeah, okay, well, you're so glad you came. You see where I'm going with this, right? Obviously, the enemy wanted to 
keep you from coming to church, sitting under the teaching of God's word, because he, he wanted to rob you of this very dynamic, because there's exhortation that comes. There's encouragement that comes. There's a stirring up of love that comes and good works. And it can only happen in that environment of being assembled together with God's people. Let's talk about this word assembled. The best illustration I ever heard was this. Um, and, and I want to make clear that it's not the word gathered. Because gathered is a very different word than is the word assembling. Okay, So I have my watch here. It's a Timex. Let's just say for purpose of illustration that I take this Timex and I have all of the parts and I gather them all together here on the pulpit and all of the parts are there and they're all gathered together. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Kind of like what it means when a pastor takes his watch off his wrist and puts it here. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. He's not going to stay on time. But anyway, so you've got all these parts gathered together on the pulpit. They're just simply gathered together, but they're not assembled. And as such, they are not functioning. They are not working in concert, in tandem, as parts that are assembled together, functioning together. It's when it's assembled that now all of a sudden those intricate parts are working together and now I have a functioning timepiece. And that's what happens when we are assembled together as the body of Christ. We function together as the body of Christ when we're assembled together as the body of Christ. We're all different parts of the same body and we have all these different giftings and so the minute hand needs the second hand that needs the hour hand that needs all of the numbers that are all working together and all those springs inside this watch when assembled together work together and that's what we do as the body of Christ it's been said very wisely actually that the church is not an organization. It is an organism. One of the things that I had to learn, better said unlearn, when I entered the ministry and sold my business is that you do not pastor a church the way that you run a business. It is a whole different world. This is a body. This is a living organism. It is alive. We are the body of Christ, a body of believers. And again, doesn't it make sense that if Satan knows that we can be greatly edified when we assemble ourselves together with other believers, as David fondly reminisces about in verses three and four, being together with God's people. And here's this brother and sister in Christ encouraging you and you need encouragement. Praying with you. I love it. When I see the ministry that takes place in this place that doesn't take place between pulpit and pew. It takes place between brother and sister in Christ. Encouraging one another. Fellowshipping with one another. 
I especially am blessed when I see you pray with each other and pray for each other. Just encouraging one another when we assemble together. So, the first thing to do is to get into the Word and drink deeply from the Word of God. The second thing to do is to get in fellowship and assemble yourself with God's people. The third one is in verses 5 through 7. And it's also in the last verse, verse 11. And don't get weird on me. I know we've talked about this before, but it's to talk to yourself and remind yourself of God's goodness and God's help. This is what David does in verses 5 through 7. He's going to do it again in Psalm 43. But let me explain what this means. This is not self-talk, as it were, as much as it is talking to self. You know, we, if you really think about it, you'll catch yourself during the day. You're, you talk to yourself a lot. Uh, just don't do it, you know, in public, out loud. People will, <laughs> you know, uh, think very differently of you. Wow. <laughs> but I find myself, when I'm by myself, I'll talk out loud to the Lord, but sometimes I need to ha- have a talk with myself. I need to give myself a good talking to. I like how one said it. I don't know who said it, but it's well said. Some of us get stinking thinking and need a checkup from the neck up. And I think oftentimes as Christians, we're prone to stinking thinking. We need to stop. Stop. What what are you doing? What are you saying? And And we need to have a good talk with ourselves. And this is what David is doing here. He's talking to himself, not self-talk, a talk to self. And he's saying to himself, why are you so down? Why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul. Why are you so discouraged? Why are you so down? Put your hope in God. You will yet have reason to praise the Lord. You're going to laugh again. You're going to smile again. You're going to be happy again. You're going to praise the Lord again. Yes, this is one of those deep anguishes of the soul, the dark passage of the night, as one has called it. But God, put your hope in God, and you will praise the Lord. And you need to tell yourself that sometimes. I think we... How do I say this without, well, I'll just say it. I think we underestimate the power of our thoughts. The things that we think about and talk to ourselves about. I think we greatly err in underestimating how powerful our thought life is. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard your mind, the thoughts that are allowed to enter into your mind. Have you ever heard this? You and I are what we think. We become what we think. This is what Proverbs 23, the first part of verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
You become what you think. Isaiah 26 verse 3, a personal favorite of mine, says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind, mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Think this through with me. My mind stayed on him. What's your mind stayed on? What, what, what's your mind thinking about, engrossed in, consumed by, stayed on? You know, our minds are so powerful. I don't think we, again, realize just how powerful our thoughts can be. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second epistle, chapter 10, verse 5. Listen to this. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, listen, we take captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that look like? Oh, watch this. Satan tries to put thoughts in our minds. We're going to talk about this too when we get to the helmet of salvation. That is, I mean, all the parts of the armor, they just have so much significance. But Satan has access to our mind. He cannot read our mind, but he can put thoughts in our mind. So we have to catch those thoughts, not let them get in and start wreaking havoc in our minds to get us thinking about everything that could go wrong. Right? Do you do that? Lord, would you please just get this <laughs> I do that. I'll be very candid with you. My mind sometimes will go a million miles an hour. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night, right? As you get older, you do that more often. <laughs> I'll wake up in the middle of the night and the enemy's right there. Does he do this to you? I hope I'm not alone. Thank you for, can I get a witness? Oh, praise. Thank you, Lord, I'm not alone. <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night. Is he not right there going, hey, did you forget? What are you going to do about? And you fill in the blanks. And oh my goodness. So you're laying there going. So I've tried all kinds of things, right? You know, the counting sheep thing. Does that work for you? That doesn't, that doesn't work. I've tried other things besides sheep and it's worse. It just does not work for me. Maybe it works for others, but it's not, does not work for me. So here's what I do. I start praying first, and then I start singing, not, not out loud, but in my mind, I start singing praise and worship songs. Why? Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, right? So Satan doesn't want to be around <laughs> when that happens, because if the Lord's there, Satan's not going to stick around. And that usually works. But he's right there putting thoughts in your mind, and we have to take those thoughts captive. And what what Paul's saying here when he says to make it obedient to Christ, in other words, is this consistent with, compatible with, obedient to the words of Christ? So here's Satan, he puts a thought in there, 
And uh, it's the what if, or what about, or what are you going to do about. And then you take it and you catch it and you say, wait a minute. The Lord told me, do not be afraid. And the Holy Spirit is not giving me fear, a spirit of fear. That's not the Lord, to become afraid. So I'm not going to be afraid because the Lord told me to not be afraid. Yeah, but what about, no, I'm not going to be afraid because the Lord said, do not be afraid, to trust in Him. I'm not going to be afraid. Yeah, but what if, no, no. That's taking it captive into the obedience of Christ. We're going to talk about that too, about resisting the devil. That's how we resist the devil. You resist him and he's not going to stick around. He'll flee. This is what James says about resisting the devil. Standing, Paul says, and resisting the devil. My personal all-time favorite is Philippians 4, 6, and 8 through 8. And if you'll just indulge me, I want to kind of read through it and then just talk about it briefly and we'll uh, move on. Apostle Paul is writing and, and really gives us the cure for worry and fear. This is what he says. Be anxious for nothing. Don't have anxiety or panic about anything. Don't worry about anything. So be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and... The peace of God. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The peace of God. Not the peace that the world has to offer. The peace that Jesus came to give. This peace, this peace of God. It's the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. It will, here it is again. Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now verse 8 is very important. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Wow, what a list. So here's how this works. And again, I'm sharing with you very practically in my own life that this has gotten me out of much discouragement and much in the way of depression and even despair when I have applied this very practically to my life. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. 
This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.